everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. We've got a conversation up there right now between me and... Um, Claudia Rowe, the journalist and memoirist Claudia Rowe, talking about her book, uh, The Spider and the Fly, about her correspondence with a serial killer and how that experience changed her life. Fascinating book, fascinating conversation. Check it out at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the wonderful Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. I am going to be teaching a, a personal essay class for the PNWA starting March 3rd, Saturday. Wait, let me check my calendar. So, yes, Saturday, March 3rd. be every Saturday for five weeks if you're in the Northwest and you'd like to sign up for a personal essay class with me, a five-week personal essay class, you can do so through pnwa.org. It's a great organization. They put on a great writers' conference every year, monthly meetings where publishing professionals and authors talk all about writing, the business of writing. So check it out, pnwa.org. Uh, I will also be teaching a fearless writing workshop. It's going to be an all-day workshop at Right on the River in Wenatchee, Washington, on Saturday, February 24th. Coming up, coming up this February, this couple weeks away. And I'll be doing, it's a whole day workshop. I do the morning. Nick O'Connell does the afternoon. Morning part, that'll be me, fearless writing. I'm also going to be helping people with their work, going over some of their pages with them as a kind of awe writing coach, just something I do. So if you're interested in that, go to my website. I've got a link there to write on the river and that workshop. I believe spots are still available, I think. But they're going fast, so check it out now. All right, well, you came to a good one. Came to a good one today. My guest, Kit Baki, she's, uh, she's been an activist all her life, and she knows, she knows that successful democracies are built on informed and principled, principled dissent. She's a retired pediatric oncology nurse, a traveler, and a native Seattleite, and, of course, the author of three books, Dancing on the Edge, Miss Alcott's Email, and, most recently, Actually, it's going to be out in a week, a week from today, Protest on Trial. Kit, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Well, so Kit, now the last time you and I chatted, it was sometime after the release of Miss Alcott's email, which, if my memory serves me, was a work of fiction, was it not? Um, yes and no. Sort of? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like 99% nonfiction, um, but there was this little trick to it, um, which was that uh, Louisa May Alcott and I exchanged, uh, and we, right. we had an email communication, I and uh, right. believe it or not, that didn't really happen. No. <laughs> well, okay, I remember there was something foggy about that book that was not 100% one thing or the other. Okay, okay, but... Protest on Trial, which, as I mentioned, is out in a week. This is definitely not a work of fiction. Correct. Uh, right. And uh, so 
our listeners are going to get a little bit of a history lesson today. Uh, so Protest on Trial is about uh, the Seattle 7, famously the Seattle I should tell you, you know, it's funny. My first introduction to the Seattle 7, I was seeing the movie, I think it was Jonathan Demme movie. Was it Jonathan Demme? The Return of the Secaucus 7. Did you ever watch that movie? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was sort of based loosely. I was told, oh, they're based on something called the Seattle 7. But this is actually about the Seattle 7. So uh, maybe for those listeners who uh, perhaps like me were a little younger when that was happening, they don't really know all about it, would you, could you fill us in a little bit on what this book covers, uh, the, the time and events that, that uh, Protest on Trial covers? Okay. Um, Can you do it? Is a, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got in, your pitch in, down? In 15 seconds, right? Um, uh, you no, can have more the, than that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's going to take more than that. I, I start going down rabbit holes here. Um, yeah. It was. This is the uh, Vietnam War era, nineteen late yeah. 1960s, early 1970s. Um, the specific events that the book is focused on is the um, the formation of an anti-war organization in Seattle that was called, they called it the Seattle Liberation Front. And they were um, organizing a demonstration in front of the federal building downtown that would protest the expected guilty plea of the guilty charge of the Chicago 7. Now, oh, 17, oh, okay. Yes, because most people have sort of vaguely heard of the Chicago 7, but nobody's ever heard of the Seattle 7. Okay, maybe people 7, were, maybe it's the Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um the Chicago 7 were uh, a bunch of nationally known anti-war activists. People knew right. their names. Jerry Rubin, you know. Right. Um, Abby Hoffman. Uh, oh, they were okay. Names okay. That, yeah, they were names that people knew, and they were on trial for a series of federal conspiracy uh, uh, indictments. Um, and their trial was a circus. The judge right. at that trial was very high-handed. And what he did, so everybody assumed they would be they would be charged, guilty as right. charged. Um, so all around the country, the anti-war movement was planning to have coordinated demonstrations in cities all around the country to protest this guilty verdict. What happened was while the Chicago 7 trial jury was deliberating, they were out deliberating, Judge Hoffman, their judge, called the defendants and their attorneys into his office, and he sentenced them all to jail for contempt of court. Uh, and there were the charges ranged up to like four years in jail for wow. contempt of court. Um, so people were, you know, not okay about that. And so right. the, all around the country, the demonstrations changed from we're protesting a guilty verdict. We're protesting the fact that you sent them to jail even before they were they right, were um, right. convicted. So in Seattle, that's what happened. We had a demonstration, um, and during that time, it was led by the people who then became the Seattle Seven. None of them were arrested at this demonstration, but it was 
one of the larger anti-war kind of that type of demonstration yeah. in the in the city ever. Shortly thereafter, they were indicted um, on the exact same conspiracy, federal conspiracy charges as the Chicago Seven had been indicted right. on. Right. And they were the only. Seattle was the only city in the country at which its leaders of that exact same demonstration were charged under these same. In fact, the Chicago 7 and the Seattle 7 are the only white anti-war leaders ever to have been charged with these very heavy-duty conspiracy laws. And you and this book really follows it because I know that you with this book you even you followed the trial, but you actually were able to get the transcripts of the trial. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I it really Go ahead. Yeah, and you interviewed are they all still alive all seven of them? No. They are not, sadly. Oh, um right. uh they were and and originally there were eight. Um right. one went underground and so he did not he wasn't there in the trial. He wasn't a defendant. Uh right. and I did not talk to him and I did not talk to um Susan Stern, Susie, it was the only woman among the eight, and she died in the uh, mid 1970s. Um, oh, oh, so young. I did, wow! I didn't get a chance. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to talk yeah. to her, and we could talk about her for a long time. She was pretty amazing. Um, wow! But yeah, I talked to so, I talked to everybody else, and I wow. talked to their and attorneys. I talked to wow. attorneys. Oh, this, I talked to F, FBI really? agents, police. Oh my gosh! Yes. Um, dozens, probably a hundred people. Um, yeah. Plus, the, as I said, the trial transcript, appeals courts, um, you know, depositions. Uh, yeah, lots, lots of stuff. And when did you begin this book? Six years ago. <laughs> really? And yeah. little did yeah. you know that when it was published, the world would feel a very different place. Did you ever guess? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Well, no, actually, uh, the work of of you know building a democracy never ends. So there's no, always going to be protest. There's always going to be protest because there's always work to be done. It is, you know, I have to say, after the last election, the thing that struck me was I thought of democracy like the electricity. You know, I turn on somebody else produces it, and I turn on my switch, and there it is, and I don't want to think about it most of the time. But I knew on that day I would have to start thinking about it in a way I hadn't before. Because yep. I, I understood yep. on some level that I hadn't. Because I didn't really live through the 70s and 60s. I mean, I was a boy. And so it was just something that adults were doing that was yeah. irritating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really, yeah. that was yeah. my sure. extent of it for me. And it, you know, yep. prevent, like the Watergate thing cut off my cartoons. And it was really annoying. <laughs> you ah. know, so that's how far removed I was at that time. Yeah, but, yeah, sure. But now... Uh, obviously, it, I think this remind this current situation for me. I mean, our listeners may have their own views, but it was it reminded me that you really it doesn't just happen. It requires our it requires agreement. It requires agreement to do it in a way because you can simply choose not to have it anymore. Does that well, make sense? yeah, it's it's a personal decision um, that everybody makes one way or another. I mean, if if you, I don't know. Effective dissent is it's really a multi step process. You know, first you have to observe and see that something isn't right in your mind. Right. And then you have to 
think about it a little bit like, well, is this something that I need to stick my oar into or not? Right. And then and then you have to decide, it, okay, I want to do something, but then you have to decide what you're going to do. And mm-hmm. I, so, so first you have to recognize there's a problem, and you have to decide how much do you care about it. And and you have to decide, you know, what am I willing to risk um, to do yeah. it? And, and, you know, you may end up, I mean, civil disobedience is something, marching in the street is something, boycotts, petitions, street theater strikes, a letter, even yeah. letters to the editor. I mean, there's a hundred ways to do it. Uh, but yeah. first you have to decide you care enough to do something about it. Yeah, I agree. And did you... Um and you were very active at the time. I think we were talking before we came on the show. You were very active. You weren't a part of that, the Seattle Liberation Front, but you were part of the Weathermen, which was another. Which was that a national organization? Yes. So you were yes, part of that as a, a young woman. Correct. Correct. It was Weathermen was a, um, a a militant offshoot of Students for a Democratic Society (SDS). Um, that it's it's pretty much imploded on itself because we were right. um yeah 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 and well. and the the Seattle Liberation Front guys were interested in not being like the weathermen because they not thought being militant. That you, correct that you needed to build a mass movement uh right. and and the the their tactics and strategies here in Seattle were very interesting. And some of the guys, a couple of them came, were not native Seattleites. They came to Seattle deliberately because they knew Seattle had, a, you know, a radical tradition. We had the Seattle General Strike. It was a pretty big mm-hmm. deal, and they all learned about it in their poli-sci classes, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. And and Seattle at that point in 1969 and 70 was in in ter- a terrible economic state because Boeing was shrinking and, right, and that right. was that was when the the billboard went up you know we'll I, that, I was going to say yeah yeah leaving Seattle so for our listeners who are not from Seattle I wasn't from Seattle but once I moved here I learned about this infamous billboard which I, I thought went up in the 80s but I guess it went up earlier than that and it said oh yeah the last one to leave Seattle turn out the lights was that the exact yeah, light yeah someone actually put yeah. that billboard up. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and there, yeah, there are pictures of it. So, there was a lot of unemployment. There was there was a lot of uh, community issues that needed solving at that time. And one of the things that the Seattle Liberation Front guys did was addressed those community issues like health care and. Um, you know, police practices and the the Black Panther Party in Seattle was very different from the Black Panther Party on the East Coast. Here they were much more into daycare and breakfast programs wow. and wow. a lot of things. And so the SLF was very supportive of the Black Panthers and the University of Washington Black Student Union. And there were many, right. many issues that they were involved in. Did you... I, this is a little off. Well, it's not really off topic. Did you go to any of the women's marches? Uh, yeah, I've been to both of them. Both yeah, what'd you think? Now I, um, what was that I, like for you? Uh, it was overwhelming. I mean, I was in yeah. tears to see so yeah. many 
so many people, so many. And the thing I thought was interesting this year was I thought there were more men than, mm. oh, uh, than there had been in the first year. Yeah, oh. yeah. I thought there oh, were good. more more men there, which I thought was a good thing. And I also appreciated the focus this year on voting, 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 voting. Yeah, you have yeah. to vote. Yeah. Um, in this yeah. in the midterm election. Uh so Everybody I thought those to. were yeah, I thought those were really good um good directions. I should say to our listeners, this is normally a nonpartisan show, but I'm afraid this might become a little partisan. Just a little. <laughs> uh generally we don't talk about politics, but I you know, I will say this that um you know, you face the blank page kit, you know, you open up that yep. blank page and one thing it taught me was you got to make a choice. The page, nothing will happen on that page until I choose it, until I make a decision. And the, the decisions I make determine what that page is. And I feel the same way about democracy. I mean, democracy is all about saying, make a choice. Your choice matters. Yeah. You know, make yeah, a choice. Yeah. And, and by not voting, you kind of say, well, I'll let someone else write the story. I didn't vote for a while. Well, when I was a young man, I was like, oh, it's all BS. Uh, the, the, that changed. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I've just, can I plug another book? I just finished sure. reading a book by two attorneys, um, uh, two law professors at the University of Washington, and the book is called The Limits of Profe- Presidential Power, A Citizen's oh. <laughs> Guide. Uh, yeah, right. The, a Citizen's <laughs> right. Guide to the Law. And it's and it yeah. isn't... It, you know, it's not an anti-Trump thing. It's not. Right. It's, it's an explanation of what the president can do and what the president cannot do. And they draw on examples from, you know, Thomas Jefferson to Nixon mm. and Reagan and Clinton and Obama, all of whom had some things they can do. But there's a lot you can't do um, yeah. as president. And we've seen that where a number of Trump's things have been um, stopped in the courts. But voting is what I was thinking of. Is they point out yeah. that most laws come out of Congress, and in the midterm elections, every single member of the House of Representatives is is up for a vote. That's and right. And a third, a third of the Senate. And that's right. If you don't like what the president's doing. Much of what he's doing is only in the context and the boundaries of what Congress has already done in terms of passing a law. So That's right. uh, all the more reason why we should vote. I, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good. You know, but I always think it's it's important to know. You know, there was this. There was some. You know, I, I don't know how closely you followed it, but there was a there was a local election. In you know, Virginia had a, a state election recently where they where they had all their state senate and House up for re-election. It was covered very pretty strongly in the liberal media, at least, because Democrats did so well. Um, and somebody there, I don't know what the final outcome was, but it came down to one vote. One of the really? Senate oh my seats. Gosh. Yes, to yeah. the point where the Republicans said, oh, I think this vote should count. They literally found this vote. They dug it up and said, look at this contended. So they were going to court over a single ballot. One vote. Wow. Think yeah, about that. Yeah. And so I just think that um, it's easy to, you know, I, can I think it go, you know, you know, when you become an author, Kit, you have to decide that your voice matters. You have to decide that yes. that you deserve to be heard from. 
I think there's a ton of people who think no one wants to hear from me. I don't matter. I really I think it plagues most people, many people. Ah, I don't know yeah, if you've run into a, that. A, you know, that's a very good point. Yeah, I I am not of the writer type who writes because I feel like I have stuff I have to get out for my own self. I No. I I know because I don't know. I always I always think about a reader. I was a reader long before I was a writer. And yeah. uh, to me, being kind to the reader, which means not wasting their time. You know, don't right. waste a reader's time. Write about stuff that's interesting and write about it clearly and efficiently and entertainingly because um, you need to respect the reader. It's really all about the reader to me. It, well, you know, it's an interesting thing. But, of course, <laughs> you have to play a game with yourself, don't you? At least I, I think you do, which is, when you're sitting there writing and thinking about the reader, the one thing you can't think is, I, I preach this, so I don't know, maybe you don't follow this, which is you can't think, I wonder what other people will, if other people will like this. It seems to me you have to have a soft hold, which is, I have this idea of a reader who I want, who I care about, and I want to give their best, but if you try to get into other people's heads, I feel like that's when it can often fall apart. You know, is there a market for this? Is this any good? Do you understand the sort of, the, the sort of self-outside-in oh, yes trying to be impressed, start getting into other people's heads, that's when you can get into trouble. Yeah, right. right. It's a subtle difference. To, you're right. I, I do. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. agree with but, you. But you like to hold, I, actually, I will say, the first time I started writing my own stories about my own life, which was purely about things I did, the first question I had to answer was, why would someone who doesn't know me care about this? You know, why would someone who doesn't know me personally care about something I did? And that formed the basis for how I told those stories. It changed my relationship to how I talked about what happened to me. I had to make it universal at that oh. point. Oh, okay, you know? yeah. Yeah, that's does good. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it does. Why does someone care? They don't know me. They don't care what happened. Because you know it's like, Kit? You meet somebody, like I meet you. Oh, hi, you saw telling me about the, the working for the weatherman and where you went to school. But because I know you, I'm kind of interested because I know you, like you're a celebrity almost, you know, no matter who yeah. you are. But if they're never going to yeah, meet you, yeah. why should they care? So anyway. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. A I little, I, little, yeah. I, uh, okay. A little I, lesson yeah, in I memoir I, there. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, so, I, I, uh, so, yeah. No, go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. You're my guest. Oh. <laughs> I was, um, I was going to say memoir is not really... I feel like I said everything I wanted to say about myself actually in the Miss Alcott book. And yeah. but it but it clearly I clearly didn't because there was oh. obviously more to be said and uh Kit, I don't know. There's so much to yeah. say about you. You could sit down tomorrow and you could write about having breakfast if you wanted to and there might be something there'd be something that happened eating breakfast that was worth writing about. I believe it. That is, I believe that to be true, if you got curious. Oh, <laughs> it wouldn't good. even have that's to be a very good, good breakfast. <laughs> yeah, maybe it would be better if it weren't a good breakfast. That's right. I'd have more drama in it. <laughs> so how was, okay, so here's my question. This is a, so this is very cool. It comes out at a time when a lot, when just democracy seems to be on trial these days. Um, 
But how was it for you? This was a trip, a bit of a trip down memory lane for you, right? I mean, even though you weren't a part of this group, I mean, this was so much a big part of your life at that this yeah. whole era. Yeah. How was it yeah. for you? Was it very emotional, or were you just sort of detached? Um, no, no, not detached at all, uh, because as I say, I uh, I knew some of these guys um, at, earlier. I knew them from the old days uh, because there was a lot of travel back and forth around the country with the anti-war movement. Yeah. People traveled a lot. Um, but um, I was detached in that, well, I don't know, in some earlier drafts, in some earlier versions of this book, I did put in some of my own experiences in demonstrations. When I, when I just, for instance, when I described this big demonstration that happened in Seattle, I realized I needed to bring it alive to people who maybe had never been tear gassed before, or yeah. you know had never been in a big demonstration and seen people hit it over the head or whatever. Right. So I, I had some stuff in there about sort of my experiences in that way, just trying to you know, bring people kind of into the frame a little bit more. But I took them all out uh, in the end because oh. it really, I just, what I did was I went around looking for more people who had been at this cattle demonstration that would tell me their story. Yeah. And uh, I, I got plenty of that. So it's, um, yeah. I, you know what happens? I, what? You know what happens, Kit? If you show up, as soon as you show up in a book, the protect you, the author, and 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 yeah. and, and you start writing about it from a deep because you can't help but write from a more personal in a way. The the reader just wants to know you you become you really take such center stage even if you don't want to. It's very hard not to I think as soon as you appear I, you kind of have to, yeah. It's, it's kind of one or the other. To, I think you need to, and it's funny. I just gave a uh, a little talk at a Seattle Seven Writers Conference about um, yeah. how to make nonfiction interesting, <laughs> uh-huh. which I thought was kind of fun. But anyway, uh, it, to kind of prepare for it, I read John McPhee, who, as we know, is a very, oh, yeah, yeah. very excellent, excellent yeah. guy, um, essayist, yeah. New Yorker, staff member, et cetera. Anyway, he has a book called Draft Number 4, is what it's called. Yeah. But he he really says, keep yourself out of it almost always don't oh, interesting between yourself and the um and the story you let the story you're trying to tell let the reader make the discoveries let the reader right. have the aha moment um, yeah. don't don't steal it all by by putting yourself in the middle so you know or in between the reader and what it is you're trying to talk about uh, yeah so, yeah, yeah that I, is I, I, is the way to do it. And so you, so you stayed out of it. You stayed out of it, but but emotionally, just as a as a human being who lived through that, you had to have. It must oh, have yeah. taken you. Must oh, have been quite the journey. It was journey. wonderful. It was so yeah. much fun. It's so much fun to talk to people who, who have been through the same things you have, you know, and yeah. Um, so getting, you know, really getting to know these guys a lot better, and and everybody else I talked to, it was <clears throat> it was quite wonderful um there was something else i was just thinking about that what was it well i, I, th- I while you're thinking i'll just say i think it's awesome that it's come out when it has as i said i think it's a 
a timely book. I mean, a lot has changed since then, of course, in certain ways, but the certain challenges seem to me remain ever the same. They, they change shape a little bit. The way we deal with them are different, but um, the challenge is still there. That The need for participation is still there, and um, I think it's great that this book came out when it did. That's I think it's awesome that it took you six years. <laughs> you know, if it had come out two years, if it had come out three years ago, it might not have been able to have the effect yeah. that I think it could. You know, I, I I hope so. I mean, I you know, I really think that um, dissent and protest in in a democracy is it's we're, it's as American as apple pie. You oh, know, absolutely. People, I mean, think about women's suffrage. Think about yeah. the struggle that it took for women to get the right to vote. It, I mean, all all sort of pro, progressive, um, all things that keep people involved in the democracy start out by just a few crazies, you know, yes. saying, saying something um, yep. like, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know. But women, a few women useful vote. crazies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, all great progressive movements have started that way, and um, it just it takes it takes well, more time. Well, the women's than... movement, I mean, the women's march started with one grandma in Hawaii, I think, who just started a Facebook yeah. page for it or something. I yeah. mean, it was really yeah. Yeah. A, a, a minor effort on her part, and it just went kapow. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You know, it's yep, fascinating. Yep, and you think about Occupy and think about Black Lives Matter and yeah. All yeah, that stuff. It all starts. You just Well, there's much to say and much will be said about all of this, I think, for the next year or two or three or four. Who knows? But in the meantime, <laughs> Kit, I have one more question for you. Uh and what I'd like you to do is finish this sentence for me. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Just write. Okay. Well, it's taught me how to um, think more clearly. Yeah. Yeah, writers, many writers I know say they write to learn what they know. <laughs> to, <laughs> yeah. to, know yeah. to know what they know, kind of. Yeah. It clarifies yeah. it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's, yeah. That's true for me, too, i got to say. i got to yeah. say. Well, that's good. Uh, Kit, thank you so much. Congratulations on the book. I should tell our listeners one more time, this book's not out at this moment, but you can pre-order it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and IndieBound and from the website. Yep. And you can find out, out about it on, is it just kitbaki.com? Is that your website? Correct, yes. And uh, will you be doing a little bit of, of promotional stuff for this book? Will you be getting out in the community some? Uh, yeah, there's a page on the website that's got what I have arranged so far. Yeah, I'll be at, at Elliott Bay and the University Bookstore and a bunch of places. Um, right, around in the, the area. We'll yeah, so far. Oh, that should be yeah. a good, that should be a yeah. fun, you know, book events. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're, ah. But that should be a lot of fun. That should be a good conversation. Yeah, I think it, I think it will be fun. I'm hoping for a lot of good Q&A. I think there will be. Well... Uh, Kit, it was so nice to talk to you. Congratulations. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. And, and I appreciate all you do to keep authors, you know, cheered up and <laughs> in the spotlight <laughs> and <laughs> all of that. Cheered up. 
That's exactly yep. what I do, Kit. I keep them cheered up. That's what I do. I know, you do. You do. It's thank very you. Well, good. thank you for recognizing useful. that. I appreciate it. All right, well, say hello to all my friends at the Seattle 7 Writers, and uh, okay. good luck with the book. Hey, thanks so much, Bill. Bye. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. Kit's right, you know, it does. It clarifies your thoughts. It really does. It helps to have a clear thought. Okay, well, everybody, uh, I will uh, see you next week, next week. And uh, unfortunately, my mouse has ceased to work, so I cannot run my music. Oh, now I can. Uh, I'll see you next week. Until then, go do something you love. <laughs>